Good evening, guys. We are talking football, real football, the stuff on the field that's going to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. I am Josh Hancher uh, on the Twitter at dog underscore stats. My co-host Graham Coffee is at dog out west. We are not breaking news. We are talking football. We're talking we're gonna, football. We're talking football. Graham, we're going to talk about Kentucky, Texas A&M, and Auburn. Two two of those guys are on our regular season schedule, and one is sort of the not heir apparent, but uh, the challenger in the West. Graham, uh, before we get into it, any thoughts? Uh, yeah, man. I mean, I think you know you got three interesting teams here. Texas A&M. It's kind of been a preseason media darling for some. Um, Kentucky, I think, is the most underrated program maybe in all of college football right now. And uh, with Auburn and the coaching change and Bo Nix and just the whole Auburn dynamic that's always uh, dramatic and interesting, should be a lot of fun to look at what's going to happen this year with these three. Yeah, I've got the uh, the SEC stuff that I've got. Lots of stuff here. So we've got the the over under win total for each team here. Our uh-huh. teams uh, our teams in white here. Highlighter are the ones we're going to talk about tonight. And they've got Bill Connolly returning production, and then some of my twenty twenty metrics that I that I uh, sort of track. Um, so interestingly enough, Auburn is returning seventy three percent of its offense. Um, and that's way above average for power five, but that offense was, uh, did not have any net yards per play and only a 43% success rate on offense. So, uh, we're going to talk about Auburn first. What jumped out at you, if anything, of the, of those stats that you, that you think about Auburn coming into the season? Uh, I mean, I think the returning production is significant, but, uh, I mean, you have it here. Like, I, th- I think a lot of that is, is Bo Nix and Bigsby, right? Like they yeah. lost a few wide receivers to the NFL. Um, You know, Williams was good. Uh, You had Schwartz and then Stove, who I forgot about, was what was a very effective possession receiver for them for many, many years. Um, Yeah, yeah, I've got it right here. I mean, uh, that's there were going to have to replace their entire receiving core. Um, And those are good numbers, not great numbers. I mean, I think we all know that Auburn was a dink and dunk offense. Uh, but you know, Schwartz, you know, every time he touched the ball 50% of the time, he was successful in those plays and he got a lot of targets in 86 plays right behind Williams. Um, you know, Williams is more of the big, uh, big threat, but yeah, they're going to replace all that. But tank is tank is a real deal. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think the, the big storyline with Auburn, right. Is obviously the coaching change. You got Brian Harson coming in, been at Boise state for a long time and, you know, really did a pretty good job of just kind of keeping watch over what Chris Peterson built there. You know, went to went to some uh, some group of six bowl games with those guys. I think he went to two as head coach at Boise, and wasn't like Kellen Mond era, you know, fringe national title competitor Boise, but still one of the best programs in the group of five every single year. And doing that in Idaho where there's not much natural talent, like the thing that I think is interesting with him coming into the league is just like, he has a lot of experience with like taking kind of less and turning it into more. And I think that Auburn is a a good roster. It's been recruited well, like their last class was awful before Malzahn left, but the upperclassmen there are, are all really talented players. So I kind of feel like Auburn might be a little bit of a sleeper if they can get some decent quarterback play. 
Yeah, that's interesting because um, yeah, I, I haven't studied Harson's offense. Um, I mean, I think from what I understand, everyone loves the new coach. But uh, it, what is interesting is that Auburn was near the bottom of the SEC in, in air yards per target from Bo Nix. Um, and Harson at uh, Bachmeyer was uh, at 10.6 air yards per uh, attempt versus Bo Nix's 8.6. Uh-huh. So we're definitely going to see a different offense. Yeah, and I think what's interesting to think about with Bo Nix is uh... – you know, that's 8.6 air yards past the line of scrimmage. But when you're Bo Nix and you take the snap and you immediately drop 15 yards <laughs> out of your, like, you know, he's got like a, a 15 yard step drop. That's the Bo Nix way. So, I mean, a lot of those throws were probably like twice as long in reality as they show up in these stat sheets. Um, They've got a tough were, schedule. Yeah. Like Bo Nix is like the only quarterback I've ever seen that like basically it's like he's got a fadeaway slant pattern kind of thing going on. Like, I don't know. I can't explain it, but uh, he looks more like a basketball player, like, you know, fading away, taking a shot than he does like your average quarterback, like stepping into a throw. Our friend, um, our friend Nathan at Chapel Bell has got the best line about him. He's like, he's a, he would be a really good tight end if his last name were <laughs> Nick's. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I think the interesting thing though is like, obviously TJ Finley came in in the off season. Um, and, you know, we saw him, like, absolutely tear up South Carolina when LSU played them last year. Not that South Carolina was a juggernaut at all, but I think he went, like, 24 for 28 in that game and over 300 yards passing, three touchdowns. Deep, and then deep. he looked r- really bad in, in another start. Um, and now he's not at LSU anymore. But, like, Carson has a really good record with quarterbacks, right? And he's gotten good quarterback play out of – a lot of different guys at Boise that, you know, maybe don't have the arm talent of a a TJ Finley. So I think that Harson is the type of guy like coming from an offensive background that can simplify that, that system enough to, to make a guy like TJ Finley just come in and, and run his reads and, you know, maybe read half the field. And if it's not there, you, you take off or you throw it away and lean on Bigsby in the run game or use Bigsby as a, a nice safety valve out of the backfield and all of a sudden Auburn is a pretty good looking productive offense. And if that happens then they could be a really good team, right? Yeah. I mean, I think so. I mean, it just, I'm showing the tank highlight here, but um, you know, that that's a tough uh, Penn state on the road is a brutal, is. a brutal yeah. game for a young, for a, a new coaching staff, not a young coaching staff, but a, a uh, a young, uh, new to the offense there. I mean, it's going to be tough. I mean, they, they play a lot of good teams. Uh, most of those teams were as productive net yards per play as Auburn was uh, right there. Even Arkansas. Um, I mean, it, it's yeah. like they've got a tough schedule. So, uh, but they've got, like t- you said, they've, they've recruited well. Right. And Tennessee taught us, you know, never sleep on Georgia State there in, in week three <laughs> of the season. Um, but I, I think, yeah, with Auburn – it's always one of those things with Auburn where the years where they're supposed to be good, they struggle in the years where no one's talking about them. You know, you pop up in November and like they're in conference title contention. So I I think that Georgia, it's probably to their advantage that they, they see Auburn kind of earlier in the season, um, especially c- coming off of an LSU game. Cause I do think at some point like Harson will get them rolling and, you know, I could, I, I just feel like it would be very Auburn for them to either knock off LSU, Georgia, A&M, or Alabama. Like, they will win one of those games, even if 
there's there's no logical reason that they should they will um and and, and that's and that's the kind of stuff that put you know if you're if you're gambling i know you like to put a little money yeah. so on that that seven win over uh over that's the kind of thing <sighs> that's you a want. tough one man yeah, yeah. It, what's the juice on that did, did you have that uh i do have it i think it's like i think it's it's the over is is plus money and the under is minus money let me go that makes one. sense i mean honestly in my gut it feels like a push uh but i mean you got akron that's a win georgia state's a win um south carolina's a win the problem is like i can't call mississippi state's probably a win but you can't really call arkansas or ole miss a guaranteed win uh, you can't call Penn State a guaranteed win. So I feel like Auburn could easily be like five and seven or or nine and three, and I wouldn't be surprised either way, uh, which which makes them kind of the perfect Auburn team, right? But yeah, they're plus I, they're plus one ten on the over. So it's not, yeah, it's really not juiced that much then. Um so I, I think it's gonna be interesting, dude. I really do. Just I I feel like with Auburn, they're probably undervalued. Uh, in the preseason by a lot of people. And I think that they will be better than most expect. Well, we've got D Rob who transferred over there and I think he's going to have a chance to get him. I think he fell into that. Yeah. He's got a, yeah. he's, he's in a good spot. Cause like we said, we're going to, he's, they're going to be a lot of, um, you know, they're missing a lot of, of receiver experience over there. And he certainly, he'll probably start. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he could, he could very well be the first option in that offense, which I think speaks to how deep George's receiving room is, but um, what I will be interested to see with D Rob and Bo Nix and or TJ Finley is just will they use a guy with D Rob speed and a, a back like Bigsby that's really good catching the ball out of the backfield just to to make things easier on the quarterback? You know, um, like I think Harson in the long run could struggle at Auburn because I I don't know if he's going to be able to recruit in the SEC. Uh, it's just so cutthroat and and it's not his background, but I think he has an opportunity here over the first few years. If he gets good quarterback play to like sneak up and have one of those kind of magical, you know, all in Auburn family bullshit kind of type. <laughs> and don't type forget, years. I'm sure he's going to lean on Bobo in the coming years to, to bring in. That's true. And Bobo's a really good coordinator, man. And you know, Bobo, what's interesting though, is like, Bobo's system is not meant for a uh, dual threat quarterback historically. I mean, like he, you know, he'll run some draws and stuff like that, but like, he's not a, a spread read option kind of, kind of coordinator. And I'm pretty sure they said at SEC media days, they were planning on having Bo Nix under center, which just feels odd to, to think about. So I'm kind of fascinated to see what happens that Penn state game though, if they win that game, watch out, you know, yeah. cause they're going to get rolling and they'll have a lot of momentum. Well, I mean, again, t- just before we move on to Texas A&M, I mean, tank was the sec freshman of the year. Um, he was, you know, Georgia wanted him, but, you know, we had a full running back room. He went over there and he did not play a lot in the in Georgia game. He caught some balls, but he only got eight carries. Um, but yeah, he's, he's going to get the ball a lot. And I can, and if they, like you say, if they, you know, have a strong offensive line, you know, that Bobo is going to want to run the damn ball. So, uh, what, you know, tank is one of those guys to keep a lookout. He could be the, you know, the, the catalyst for one of those magical Auburn season bullshits. I'll call, say. I'll call it now that tank Bigsby leads the sec in rushing in 2021. Oh, 
That's possible. He's gonna get a lot. You're gonna get a bulk, bulk, bulk of the carries on a on a you know an offense like that. So there it yeah, is. Yeah, and I just don't think that they're second and third options. They don't have that deep of a running back room. So I just think that he's gonna have to carry it like twenty game, twenty times a game, or touch the ball twenty times a game. There you go. All right. So who's your who who is your quarterback for the uh, Iron Ball? From <sighs> T.J. Finley. Nice. There it is. I think you're right. But I, don't, I don't know, man. They did take Bo next to media days, which kind of tells me maybe they expect him to be in it for the long haul. Huh. We'll see. It's, it's you know, I, I think the good thing is Harson is not beholden to that that name and that recruit. You know, he's no, gonna, no. he's going to win that game. All right, he didn't make any promises to Bo Nix. Any uh, anything else before we switch pivot on to A and M? No, sir. All right, there it is. All right, I'm going to throw up A and M schedule here. Um, they open with Kent State. They got Colorado, right? That's going to be a great game, right? So I called this way back when when we were doing over under win totals. Uh, that's like my early season upset special of the year so far. My stone cold lock of the week of the year <laughs> is Colorado upsetting Texas A&M in Boulder. That's Ralph on the road? Gonna be, yeah, dude, it's on the road. Oh, wow. wait, It's not on the road, actually. Hold okay. On, let's see. I didn't do a no, good job. I think it is on the road. Hold on. Okay. Let's see. I just realized my, I can't put like ats in my uh, my database here. So no, uh, you're good. You're I don't good. have the home away. It is, it's at Colorado. Yeah. Okay. So that's why, I mean, the altitude, we'll get to them. I just don't think they're going to take that game that seriously. But if you look at Colorado's season last year, they were good. Uh, and people don't remember it because they were in the Pac-12 and they only played like five games, I think. But they – They're returning Utah. a lot of yeah. – They return a ton of production. They had a really good running game, which is what you want. Second and year of their coach. That was a tough – the tough spot for that coach to come into. Yeah, yeah, exactly. After Tucker just kind of left like a thief in the night. But um, <laughs> <laughs> what I think is interesting with A&M – even beyond Colorado, but the reason, all right. So A&M has to replace the quarterback, right? Like, yeah, you already, you already said that. And I think that everyone's talking about the quarterback play. Like it's just sort of a given that they're going to get decent quarterback play, but like other than Jameis at Florida state, who was a redshirt freshman and both these guys have been on campus for, for more than a year, but like, it's just Jimbo's system's really hard to learn, man. And it it's there's a lot of moving parts to it, and it requires kind of an NFL level of of processing and intelligence. And neither of these guys are that special athletically in terms of having big arms or or being really fast and dual threats out of the backfield. So I just don't know that that Haynes King uh or the other guy, I forget his name. Um I just don't know that like they're going to be a kind of that average replacement sort of level at quarterback. All right. Well, you, you called your shot on tank saying he's going to lead the sec in rushing, but Spiller is, is the real deal. And he's, he he's going to get a lot of carries in this offense as well. Um, he's one of the, you know, 5.6 yards per attempt last year and a 50% success rate. I mean, He's and he's special. He's explosive. Yeah. Yeah. He's explosive. And, uh, you know, you can trust him with the ball. I mean, 175 touches is a lot. (laughs) So, uh, and then, you know, we're excited about our tight end, uh, Washington. um, But, 
Wiedemeyer is the returning explosive tight end in the league. He is absolutely the real deal. And He's especially coming, yeah, especially coming out of the slot, he could be a safety valve for a young quarterback. Um, and he's, he's, he's really, really good. I'm going to run some tape on him and let you talk about it. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, I think that, like you said, he's really, really good. Um, he will be a friendly target. Zach Calzada. That's the other guy. Nice. Uh, Yeah. Never heard of him. Zach Calzada guys. Yeah. Former three-star recruit. Um, and yeah, I, I think though, you're right. Like I think Texas A&M will have that kind of team where they're not going to have to throw the ball that much, but at some point they're going to have to throw the ball to win. Like they're going to have to throw the ball to to, Alabama or LSU. LSU. Yeah. And Ole Miss is going to score enough points to, to put them in that situation as well. Um, they are extremely good on the line of scrimmage and particularly on the defensive line of scrimmage. Like they, they return some beast, Marvin Leal is as good of a defensive lineman as there is in the SEC, and the back end of that defense is very, very good as well. I just don't – I'm not as bullish on A&M as everyone else is, and I think that, like, everyone looked at what happened last year, and it's like, oh, well, Fisher's starting to put his fingerprints on the program, and logically they're going to get even better next year. And it just doesn't always work that way, like, with roster turnover. Um, and I think that maybe in two years, like you'll kind of see them bump back into that, that CFP contention type of range. But uh, I would take under on the nine and a half wins for AM. Yeah. Well, especially if you got them losing to Colorado. <laughs> Definitely. Well, take yeah, totally. <laughs> but no, no. But, like- but even if they don't lose to Colorado, it's just like, I think that the SEC West is a, murderers row man i mean i think that they could i think that any given week mississippi state ole miss arkansas can 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 you know snap up and bite somebody and beat them if they're not playing their best game and i think the lsu is going to be very very good again um and then there's obviously alabama and Auburn's the wild card. Yeah, still- yeah. i'm looking at the, the auburn and mississippi uh, are definitely the ones that will that are I don't know about trap games if you want to call them that, but they're right there with them and skill and everything like that. So yeah, it's I mean LSU is I think could be a sleeping giant this year. I mean obviously the over you know they got them at eight and a half wins, so uh, that's that's arguably the third best team. So it's just who wins that game who's gonna who could be runner up to Alabama in the West. So I like yeah. that call of uh, being bearish on the uh, nine and a half. All right. So you got over on Auburn and under on AM if anybody's keeping tabs. Uh, is that right? Correct. All right. Anything else on AM? I, I, I think that Spiller is going to lead, uh, potentially lead the SEC in rushing. I um, like it. Yeah. I no, mean, he's, he's, he's really, really good. And that's kind of what we, when we talked about doing these shows, it just, we, we get, we're not going to go deep on these teams because we're Georgia fans and this is a Georgia thing. I know Graham wanted to branch out, but we want to, you know, talk about some of these players that you either forgot or you don't remember. So, um, and, and Spiller is definitely one you're going to hear a lot about. Yeah, he is. And I mean, the other one that I would bring up is, uh, or not, not player, but the, the, the last thing I'd say about A&M is just don't discount how good their defense is. Um, you know, I mean, Elko has done a really good job there as coordinator. Last year, they were the number one team in the SEC in total defense, number two in passing defense, number two in rushing defense, number three in scoring defense. Like they were 
they were well-rounded in every way. Um, they yeah. do lose some pieces, but they, they kind of, they bring back most of the core. And so the tough thing is just, if this was five years ago, we'd be talking about them, I think is like a legit conference title or division title contender. But in this day and age, even a really, really good defense, even the best defense in college football has given up like 31 or 38 to to Bama or LSU or Ole Miss. And it's just, I don't know if they can keep up with it. That's a great point. I'm just, I've flashed back up our sort of SEC metrics right here and they're, they're returning 74% of that defense. Uh, they were second in success rate allowed behind Alabama and, and Georgia's right, being right there. And uh, so you're hundred percent right there that that is a good defense and they're going to return a lot of it. So uh, that's a good call. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> All right. So uh, last, so we're going to pivot into another team on Georgia schedule, the Kentucky Wildcats. Yes. Uh, we know them well. We play them every year. Um, they're over under win total is like six and a half. I think. Uh, let, me uh, check, let me check that real fast uh, while you talk. But uh, yeah, they don't pass the ball. Is yeah. Six and a half. It's six and, six and, and a half. half. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, but they, Will they be better on offense, uh, passing the ball? Um, a little-known fact that Chris Rodriguez is one of the uh, best running backs to return in the SEC. Um, he is—he uh, was 90% on short yardage and third and fourth down conversions. That's ridiculous. Um, and he is one of the more explosive backs um, in the SEC that's going to return. Uh, actually, he was one of the most explosive backs um, in terms of EPA of, in the entire SEC. Um, he, and that he's a, he, again, we've, we've kind of highlighted a lot of the, these teams are returning running backs and they, and that's one that's going to get a lot of carries. Uh, yeah, man, I think you're right about Rodriguez. And honestly, I, some Georgia fans might get upset with me for saying this, but in that UGA Kentucky game last year, that was like, a I think it was a 14 to three snooze fest of a football game. Uh, every time that he was in, like they were hitting consistent five, six yard pops and then they would take him out, bring the other guy back in and, and things would shut down. But, uh, Rodriguez, like, I feel like if, if he had touched the ball 30 times against Georgia, that game might've gotten very, very uncomfortable for UGA. Um, yeah. And I looked at the, some PFF stuff and he had a 92 per, you know, grade on PFF on, on overall rushing. Um, he's very, very good. Um, <laughs> Yeah, very good. I mean, 67% success rate. My yards have him at 7.0. It's probably – I'm not sure if I've got that filtered right, but I think he's somewhere between I mean, close to six and a half yards per attempt or whatever, and that 0.528, yeah. that is ridiculous. That is – I mean, he is getting important yards. He's getting chunk yards. He is a beast, just like you said. Yeah, totally. And, I mean, I think the, the offensive line at Kentucky is – probably the best offensive line unit, at least from preseason kind of expectation standpoint, maybe in the conference. Um, like they can open up some holes. Those are some big, nasty men, and they can take over a football game very easily. Um, the if, if Kentucky gets just decent enough quarterback play to, to be a legitimate threat to hit, downfield passes off of play action then i think they finish second in the east wow yeah i mean that they're right there they've got i mean they're returning three offensive linemen rodriguez they just got to get better and get somewhat more versatile on offense and they certainly can 
uh, yeah, be, beat a lot of these, beat a lot of teams on their schedule. And, and the, the Florida game is going to be, I think, a handful for the Gators. I do too. And I mean, Gatewood, who played against Georgia last year, the only like extended action that he saw was against Georgia, which definitely not the defense that you want to kind of break in a, a new quarterback in in his first start. But they do have a transfer coming in from Penn State, a guy named Will Levis. It's either Levis or Levi's. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Probably Levis. Um, but, you know, I, I think he might be the type of guy that can just kind of run the offense and execute and complete six-yard out routes to the tight end on the short side of the field and do enough, just give them enough versatility to where you can't stack a bunch of guys right up in the middle of the box and, and guarantee they won't cash you. Um I am a little curious kind of how they're just sort of how their offensive game planning is going to look. Um, you know, they had Eddie Grand there for a long time and he was a really good offensive coordinator and he was sort of let go of just kind of like Stoops had to fire somebody after they had a bad season a couple of years ago. And so they've got, uh, Cohen, who I really know nothing about as their OC, but we know that Kentucky can design a, a strong power run game that will churn out seven, eight minute drives and just keep your offense off the field and keep you from getting in a rhythm and, and keep a game close. If they can get some passing, I mean, the only time they've had decent quarterback play over the last five years they, you know, they they were in a game at the end of the season to to go to the the conference championship game against Georgia, and that was you know Terry Wilson's first year, uh, and then he got injured and was never really the same. So, I think it's interesting to to think about what that that team could be. Um, what what do they return on the defensive side? Do you know? Um, let me see. I'll put up the the main one here. They are returning forty. Uh, sorry. Yeah, sixty uh, percent on six percent offense and defense. So yeah, they've got a lot yeah. coming back. Their their offense, obviously, you know, I showed you the negative EPA from their returning wide receiver, which is obviously terrible. Um, but they were fifth in the league in rushing, which is pretty good. But considering they were probably limited on how many touches they could get uh, rushing the ball, and uh, so I, I, that you can certainly believe that they're going to run the ball. But if like you, like we just said, you know, if they could get marginal improvement on offense passing the ball they could be yeah. they could be tough they, they i mean let's pull up their schedule um so yeah it's, and it was a decent defense i mean it's 46 percent success rate allowed you know they had a negative net yards per play but um that's that's not surprising a lot of the teams in the sec after playing 10 games uh did that um and i do think they will be better on defense and offense this year so that's a team on the upswing kind of thing and yeah Kentucky's this isn't your granddad's Kentucky team, right? I mean, like the the tackle they have, Kennard is quite possibly the best offensive lineman in the SEC. Uh Corker, Yusuf Corker, that safety, probably the best safety in the SEC. Like they have dudes that will go and play on Sundays for a very long time. And there's, you know, at least three to five draft picks that will come off that team next season. You know, looking at that schedule, I think that Missouri game in week two is going to be really interesting. Um, like, I think whoever wins that game, 
is going to kind of have that inside track on possibly being second in the East, depending on how Florida is. And I just don't know. There's so many unknowns with Florida right now um, that it's tough to say. But, I mean, looking at the schedule, you would think – Yeah, if they, if they can beat Missouri and they're going undefeated to, to Florida, I mean – Yeah. And that's, I believe, yeah. at Lexington, I believe, right? I think so. Yeah, they played in they played in Gainesville last year. So I mean, they're those three of the first four games are wins. Um, I would think Mississippi State, Tennessee, Vandy, New Mexico State are all wins. Uh, yeah. So that that's seven right there. Yeah. So, so I mean, I mean I, sneak up beats. You get a, six and a half is a, a good value for Kentucky. Louisville and Missouri, you know, win one of those and and the ones you're supposed to, and you'll be, uh, you know, you'll be on that over. I mean, hell, dude, Mark Stoops rode a uh, converted wide receiver to like a ten win season a couple years ago. Uh, so I, I think that if God knows what will happen if he ever gets good quarterback play. All right, well. There we've we've covered three of the teams. We're going to do all of them, all thirteen teams, um, and uh, even Vanderbilt. Even Vanderbilt. We're, and do we have to? We do have to. Um, uh, you know, it'll be in the it'll be in the the four team show. So we're gonna we're gonna com- compress yeah. that and maybe compress a little bit of the South Carolina one. Stick yeah, those, stick those together. But um, we appreciate you guys tuning in tonight. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We are doing this for fun and to create content. And um, also, I wanted to do this for for Graham Lamar and Trigger Trey out there. If you're not listening to the 100 Sanford podcast, it's an absolute must listen. Um, oh, thank you. It is. I, I am a connoisseur and, and and take in a lot of the podcasts in the Georgia community. And it's really, honestly, one of the best ones out there. So kudos to you guys um and subscribe Thanks, and do that yeah absolutely i mean it's great content and, and and they do a little different than you guys get into the recruiting you guys getting some interviews i mean they had uh terrence edwards and roddy from uh uga sports.com and then who else you had somebody else before that's still out there right now that who am i forgetting uh oh, oh yeah chris uh, milton started the yeah. season off and yeah. uh it was any rate good show please listen to it um but also listen to us but you probably are right now hopefully <laughs> Yeah, and Josh, thank you for all the hard work you do putting the graphics together for for this and uh, making us look look smart and like we are informed when we get on screen. And uh, if you're not following dog underscore stats on Twitter, you're missing out on some of the best advanced statistical analysis on college football out there and the absolute best advanced statistical analysis that you can find on UGA football on the internet. I love it. I enjoy doing it. I love being part of this community of, of dog fans making content. Um, and uh, again, re- uh, like us, review us and do all that sort of stuff. Graham, take us out of here and uh, I'll do the fade to black. Cause we haven't screwed anything up yet. This has been Dog Sports Live. Uh, I am Graham Coffey. That's Josh Hanser. Follow him on Twitter at dog underscore stats. Follow me at dog out west. And come and check us out next week or maybe later this week when we go and start previewing some more teams. It's football time. We're going to be hitting it hard. Please subscribe on YouTube. Please subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And give us thumbs ups and five stars. All right. Love you guys. Go dogs. Go dogs.